Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Okay, hello everybody. I am joined today by not only two amazing athletes, but activist Sam Roy of the women gym, women's gymnastics team, Sydney Winterstorm of Michigan Volleyball, now Florida State Beach Volleyball. Congratulations on that. Um, and thank you guys for coming on to share your stories. I know I posted about this today, but um, I kind of want to take this week to focus on mental health advocacy and resources for people. It's a topic that I'm passionate about. It's a topic that I know that you guys are passionate about. And I know, especially during this pandemic, people might be experiencing, you know, raised anxiety that they've never really felt before. Um, so I just want to focus on opening this conversation up and providing some resources and ideas of ways to stay mentally healthy during this time. Um, that being said, Sydney and Sam are here with me today to share their story about advocating for mental health with athletics at the University of Michigan, and they are the co-founders of SASH student athlete sexual health and I've seen myself as a student here the impact that you guys have had with athletics um, it's such a large platform and I think that it's so brave that you guys stepped up and are doing such a great thing and I think it was much needed especially you know it's nothing that really has existed in athletics before so I think that's really cool that you guys uh, took a step up and did that um, so, Cindy, I guess we'll start with you. If you just want to introduce yourself, tell me a little bit about yourself. Hi, yeah, I just want to say thanks for having us on. I think this is an amazing platform, again, to use digitally, especially since we are locked up in our houses. Uh, this is a way for people to connect, for people to interact. So I, I'm thankful that you've asked us to join your podcast. Um, my name is Cindy Wetterstrom. I come from Colorado. I played volleyball here from 2016 to 2019 and yeah like you said I'm continuing to play and continuing my path in athletics as I'm going to transfer to Florida State and play beach for my last year of eligibility. My undergrad is Spanish and health and fitness. Um, growing up I always had Spanish influences um, whether it's my uncle from Nicaragua or other family from Spain um just always had a little like spice I guess you could say of Hispanic <laughs> culture and then I came into college wanting to be a coach there is an exact coaching degree and I think for me my calling is definitely being a supportive person and coaching is a very supportive role but for me I think I couldn't handle the travel for one if you want to start a family or anything like that but then also just like I feel my best when I am helping others and when I'm showing people how to accept who they are as a person. So then that leads me into going to Florida State. I'm gonna pursue a master's in social work to become a licensed medical social worker. And from there, I'm really hoping to take SASH to the next level and become more of a, a do more consultation and going from university to university and, and implementing our program. Sam's gonna to touch more on what SASH is and everything like that, but like it's pretty much just a program for student athletes who are affected by sexual assault to have the resources to be able to be on that track of healing and to have that support in that community because it's extremely challenging to one, be a student athlete or any 
anyone who's gone through any sexual assault or anything like that and then two just adapting to like what life throws at you afterwards so yeah um I think I answered that all thing yeah um I guess when you guys started thinking about sash and brainstorming did you feel like that was kind of a resource that was lacking in the athletics department um yeah definitely I think it's a hush-hush phenomenon it's a hush-hush situation like it's extremely relevant extremely prevalent um dilemma that people face in athletics or even on college campuses like the exact stats are blanking my mind I want to say it's one in four women face some sexual harassment assault to some degree while on a college campus Uh, men it's one in six so that's you look at a team of 16 girls four of those girls are probably affected right smaller team you look at a bigger team a bigger team number more and so for me statistically it was proven that people were affected, like my personal friends I knew have been affected, and like there is no process to get, there's no process for those hurt or um, affected athletes, and that was something that I faced in my time. I was assaulted and was trying to get back on track to compete and, uh, and be the best person I can be on and off the court, and I kept hitting a wall, kept hitting a wall, and it wasn't getting this, not so much support but there wasn't anything specific I remember looking online like student athletes or athletes who are affected by sexual assault and it's not publicized and that made me feel super super alone yet I knew there are people out there who had been affected and there wasn't a space a a safe space for them to get the help they needed right that's so brave of you to step up and implement that because I think that it will definitely grow because I think like you said it's a resource that's needed And I know you guys have, as athletes, you put everything into this sport, your physical, your mental. And if you're not physically healthy or mentally healthy, I know that's a huge roadblock. So that that's just an amazing resource that I I love to hear the story of how it started. And I really, I do know it's going to grow wherever you take it. So I'm excited to see that. Um, Sam, moving on to you. Um, I would like you to kind of introduce yourself as well. What have you been studying? Um, what have you been focusing on during your time at Michigan? Yeah, so um, hi guys. Thanks Lauren for having us. But um, so I am currently graduating. I will graduate with a neuroscience undergrad degree. Woo, don't know how you did that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> um, um, definitely just always been super interested in um, medicine, but I've actually, when I started college, was really interested in just the more straightforward medicine, and I'm really started to get into it integrative, like in a holistic approach to medicine. Um, so that was really cool to watch the transition come through. Um, so I am a part of women's gymnastics. Um, I was an active team member for two years, so I was my freshman and sophomore year. Um, I was an active member, and then. Um, with everything with my trauma and sexual abuse that mine kind of hit me um, a little bit later and it all just kind of came, became clear. Um, It was after, during my seat, it was during my sophomore year um, and then going into my junior year, um, coach, psychologist, we all kind of came together and it was just taking the step of bettering myself um, to say, maybe it's time to be done with gymnastics. I think that's a really tough thing to do since I've been doing it since the age of three. Yeah. Um, it was a very tough decision to kind of say, 
okay, it's time to, you know, hang it up, call it quits. So I fortunately, Bev, um, the head coach at the University of Michigan, um, we had kind of talked and she said, well, I don't want you to be away from the team. I think you're a great, you know, asset, whatever. But she said, why don't you student coach? And I was like, oh, like, I don't really know if that's where I've ever really seen myself going. Um, I was like, sure, I'll give it a try. Um, there's definitely been some hard days with it and some easy days with it, but the team was so supportive in everything that I did and had always had my back. And I think you get nervous with, you become a coach now and those are all your friends, like do things change? And, you know, am I gonna be a part of this or what am I a part of? So a lot of those questions run through your head, especially when you're not in your best mental state. So, but I owe it all to the teams that I've been a part of. They were super incredible and always included us and Poe, um, Polina Shenikovas, who I also did student coaching with. Um, and we were always included in everything. And I mean, I really owe it all to them to really help with SASH as well. They were a huge support in letting me kind of get it started. Um, so yeah, that's kind of been my journey at Michigan. Um, my future aspirations have recently kind of changed. Um, I've always wanted to pursue med school, but I think we always talk about, Sid even brought it up, like wanting to have a family. And I'm someone who kind of wants to have a big family and get that started. So um, I'm currently looking at PA schools instead because it's a two-year program instead of eight years kind of with med Ooh, school. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of trying to see if that that's more the route I'm going. So I'm trying to apply to jobs um, to get before I um, apply to PA school. So that's kind of what I've been working on recently. And we said, and I've just been working on SASH trying to get as much stuff as we can during this time of quarantine so awesome I know we have a lot of time on our hands that's why I started this podcast yeah it's been fun though um but I also read that you are a mental health representative for student athlete advisory committee correct mm -hmm. yeah um so that kind of promotes mental health initiatives mm -hmm. within the athletic department can you tell me a little bit more about what that role entails yeah, so actually, it's really cool. Sid and I, mental, we're both mental. We, we rep together. So it's been oh, really awesome. cool to have her. We've been pretty much doing everything mental health related side by side. So that's been really cool to have each other. Um, so that was really cool to kind of get um, mental health kind of kicked off with the group of SAC because there's about 60 student athletes who become a part of it. And it's kind of a it's three per team. And it's pretty much the people who kind of voice you know they're very they can voice their opinions they can hear it and that's what you want to do you want to hear you know you have a population of 900 student athletes you need it to be narrowed down a little bit and then right. they get to you know relay the message to the, the rest of the teams or whatever but it's a really great spot to start something so we were really grateful that we both were a part of it and could be on the board um and they've been super supportive of sash which was great so it's just another place to kind of advocate for mental health um to kind of get into the athletic directors or get into some of those people that you might not have direct contact with, but being a part of this group, we really could kind of get in there and, and chat with them. Yeah, I think that um, I've seen in the NFL and even in professional leagues, there's always been the talks of the lack of mental health resources. Mm -hmm. So I think starting these things in college and talking to these people that are coaches, athletic directors, you know, SIDs, whatever they may be, and even like that uh, mental health awareness video that came out probably about a month ago that I saw that you helped out on, you know, that is seen by thousands and thousands of people, you know, Michigan alumni, the athletic community, different teams. Um, 
So I just think it's such a great platform that you have, and especially at the University of Michigan, athletics is huge, and this is a much needed um, resource. Mm -hmm. So um, I think something that I respect the most about you guys, badass women unite. Um, <laughs> I think it's just so brave that you you do have these large platforms, but you were so brave to publicly step up and share your stories and create something good out of you know your experiences and create resources in a safe place for others. Um, so what kind of sparked that bravery within the both of you to come out and say, you know what, let's make Sash, let's be involved. Let's kind of, I see you guys as advocates for sure. You know, let's come out and talk to people our age about this topic that might be, like Cindy said, like hush hush. Um, what, what kind of sparked that? I know you guys have each other, which helps to have like a system of people that you trust. Uh, but what kind of sparked you guys to come out and decide to begin Sash? either one okay. <laughs> um, yeah so I think my journey begins when I was really young um, I was sexually assaulted as a child and lived with that secret for probably 18 years and so then when I was sexually assaulted again as a young adult um, it was extremely traumatic whether I had the incident prior or not, but it just made me realize that like, this is an ongoing issue that will probably happen even after my time. There's gonna be people who are hurt and take advantage of other people. Um, and I was so tired of living almost this double life, living this life that was me, but wasn't me, that I hid. And so I think I finally realized that like, I had a voice throughout this all, but I wasn't utilizing it. And you talk about athletics and this platform. And I just kind of had my breaking point where I was like, I'm tired of like competing on the court and being this strong, this strong person. Yet I had to hide who I was. And yet I had to kind of live in shame with the incidents that have happened to me. And so I took a chance and was vulnerable and just post it on my social media and saying like this incident happened it has caused x y and z um i've learned through this that i'm getting that i'm regaining my voice it's been 18 years since i've kept this secret and i'm not going to let this be another 18 years or so of me holding on to this and so i posted something on my instagram or facebook one of the two and I get a message from this sweet, this sweet lady, this sweet little, little lady. Right. <laughs> oh, I know. And Sam messages me and she just goes, hey, I think what you've done is extremely brave, extremely honorable. I'd love to just get coffee. Wow. And I didn't know this little, this coffee, this little coffee date was literally going to change my life for the better. And improve it and make such a strong connection and something that we both were like coming we had coffee on campus and we we're talking and everything and it, we were just like yeah this all sucks <laughs> it <laughs> like, does like this all just really sucks like how can and we both talk to our individual stories they're unique in their own way and just talk like but how can we make it better like that's both sam and i like we definitely aren't someone to like hang our head to like kick the door or kick something and just like be like oh this sucks it's like yeah, it sucks. Let's move on and make something from it. So Sam and I came up with this idea 
Um, so yeah, I have to say like, she kind of like got the ball rolling for sure. She got her teammates behind us and supported us for sure. And with the resources at University of Michigan and the counseling team, they backed us up. And now we're in the process of making a SASH workbook and manual that can be used individually if you are uncomfortable in a group setting or even universities can implement this into their programs their counseling programs for group settings and so yeah I think it I don't know if that's that amazing what? yeah what a story I love that because I, I kind of know you two both individually but now that you guys are such close friends like you guys were meant to meet in this world it's, <laughs> it's crazy so weird. no it's so weird like Sam and I will be texting and like we'll text within <laughs> like 0.2 milliseconds yeah. and it's the same thing and I'm like get out of my head Sam like stop <laughs> We're like, weirdly the same person. It's amazing. It was meant to happen. That's crazy. Um, wow, that's that's an awesome story. I, that is, number one, I agree with what she DM'd you. That was so brave and honorable what you did. Um, and yeah, like you said, I know so many people personally that are affected by this. And it's something that nobody is alone in. And it's important to spread that awareness. Um, especially for women I feel like it's kind of you're expected to push through and you're expected to not let it affect you but it but it does and it's important to um have these resources um so I guess on that note just hearing that story is super inspiring but I know there's a lot of people and I've struggled with you know coming to terms of things that have happened in my life personally and I've seen my friends go through the same thing um and I think it's even more of a safe space if you are an athlete that you can go somewhere where, you know, people can relate of physically demanding practice every day and competing and traveling and the exhaustion of finishing your homework and things like that. So if there's a student athlete out there listening who is a survivor and may feel, you know, held back from coming out with their story or getting help or even being involved in something like SASH, what would you say to them to kind of welcome them in and get the help that they need? Um, I guess I can start with this one. Um, I think exactly what Sid said, like she talked about the journey that how we met and I, I did not tell anyone but maybe three people. Um, and mine occurred starting when I was 12 and went till I was 17. Um, so for me, like, I didn't even come to terms with it until I was in college, like, it didn't surface till I was in college. So I think there's some stories that are completely, every story is different. So I think that when you look at it, Sid and I are, we were two completely different stories, but I don't care if it was one time or 600 times, like to me, you still had to go through that traumatic event and yeah. I will be there to help. Like Sid and I have always talked about that, that we wanted to start Sash no matter if one person came or if 600 people came. Because to me, knowing that someone had that chance to say, you know what, like I'm going to go today. And if you decide that you need to come one day, we've always said that. And then you're kind of like, Ugh, like maybe this isn't exactly what I'm looking for. Like that is okay. Like you even posted, like it is okay to not be okay. But I think that there's such a stigma behind mental health in a sense of, oh, you have depression. That means you have to have this or you have this and you have to have that. Like, no, you don't have to have, you don't have to have any of it to even have a you know traumatic event happen to you. And then you get diagnosed with this. So I think that just to let people know, and even if you're not a student athlete, I think that's the other thing, like just letting your 
if you need to tell your story or you don't tell your story, like that's up to you. Every story can be told in a different way. It can be told through your social media posts. It can be told through you talking to a psychologist or, you know, there's so many different outlets out there. It's what you genuinely feel comfortable with. Um, so I think that even Sid said it and nailed it right on the head is I was, you know, I started my healing journey and I had talked to my psychologist a ton and, you know, you kind of say, I want to do this. Like, I want to start this group. And it goes, but how, like, I even, I've said that all the time, but like, how did, how would I do this? And then it was almost like there was a sign to me through, you know, whatever anyone believes in, but Sid posted that to say, wait, like there is someone so near and dear to me, like, let's use that, you know? So I think that it just is really just making sure that you are healing yourself and you're loving yourself and you're starting to cope with a lot of things. And there's good days and there's bad days. I mean, I'm still going through my healing journey and I mean, there's great days and there are some really bad days, but like that's with anyone right now, you know, you're locked in a house, like there's going to be new things that come about. And so I think it's just taking it day by day and whatever life throws at you. And just knowing that there are people out there who want you to kind of be, you know, want to use and use the resources and be there for you. So the way that I've coped is to have, to help other people. And that's what I think Sid and I've really tried to do is just our healing journey is everyone else's healing journey. That's amazing. And yeah, I, I do appreciate the point of everybody does deal with it in different ways. And I really like the idea that you guys have of, you know, making the pamphlet that individuals can go and read and improve on their own if they're not comfortable in a group. That's super, super smart. So switching gears a little bit, Denim Day is coming up this week on April 29th. Um, can you guys just elaborate a little bit more on what that is and then how people can kind of get involved? Um, so Denim Day goes back to, I want to say 1998. There was an, um, a court case in Italy where a woman was raped by her driving instructor and he was convicted and then he's appealed and his appeal got passed because he argued that her jeans were too tight therefore she had to assist and it was um consensual so um that's called the jeans alibi which just gives me goosebumps thinking Ooh, about that. that's sickening <laughs> Yeah, um, and so then the Supreme uh, Italian Parliament, woman in Italian Parliament, wore jeans, stood on the front steps of their Supreme Court, and pretty much boycotted this decision, and was like, this is ridiculous, like, this does not at all stand for justice, and so um, 22, 22, yeah, 22 years later, it's still going on, Denim Day is an organization to break the stigma, to end myths surrounding sexual assault, and to just anyone and everyone can be an advocate for um, sexual assault. And so on this year, it is April 29th, and the main thing is just wear denim, wear jeans, um, and show your support for whether it is you yourself or your friend or family member, anyone, and just like creating that unity and creating that community. Um, because, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing for any issue. Any minority group needs the majority to get a movement, to get a chain reaction, to see some significant difference in society around these stigmatized issues, whether that's um, 
LGBTQ issues or racial issues or even um, mental health, for sure. I think you definitely need a majority, even people who aren't directly connected or even linked to it, to just stand united and fight for the minority. That's awesome. That I have no idea it went back all the way 20 years. That is so cool. Um, but within quarantine, I know it's a super tough time. You guys are just getting Sash up, up and going and then everything gets shut down. Um, so through game day on our Instagram, game day, W, Lauren Day, um, I want to try to raise some money on Denim Day, which is April 29th. Um, so every, I know it's quarantine. I know nobody has probably put on jeans yet. <laughs> but if you DM the Instagram account, um, a picture of you in jeans or a jean jacket, any type of denim, I'll post it on my story if you choose. And every post on my story, um, I have someone who has agreed to donate a dollar for every submission. So hopefully a lot of people send their pictures in jeans. And then we'll also be doing some kind of fundraiser bingo on the Instagram story. So 100% of the proceeds from that day are going to go to you guys and Sash. Um, I know it's tough to get resources during this time. I know people don't have a lot of extra money, but you know, a dollar or two with a bunch of people adds up and I hope it can cover some costs for you guys and obviously raise some awareness of what Denim Day is. So keep an eye out for that on the Instagram. That'll be um, this week, April 29th. Thank you so much. That's amazing yeah. that, you can, that you can put that together and show support for us. Um, yeah, we're really hoping to get Slash off the ground for sure so we can just help a bigger number. Like Sam said, it doesn't matter if we help one person, 300 people, or 1,000. It's just knowing that one life has changed and someone's felt um, felt supported in such a traumatic event. Yeah, I agree. And I think it'll be a big help just to visually see how many people are got your back and believe in this cause and We'll put on a pair of jeans in this quarantine. I'm not even sure if mine will fit. Me getting into jeans may go viral. I know. Maybe we'll get a nice big jean jacket. I yeah. know that thing will still fit. <laughs> I know. I gotta. I. I don't have the gym, and you know what? I need my yeah. comfort food, so yeah. I can get back on track when this is over. Okay. Um. So in this quarantine, I know we talked about earlier, it's important to really stay mindful and aware of your mental health. If you're stuck in your house with your thoughts all day, it's kind of scary. Um, Sid, I've seen you do some Instagram live of doing some yoga flows. Do you guys have any other, you know, ways that you have been staying busy and mindful during this time? Yeah, I've, I got my 200 hours of yoga teaching, so I've just been doing that. And I've had people come That's awesome. up to me and say like, hey, like I have hip problems or back problems or I just need something to do. And yoga is a great way to link your breath with your movement because like you always are breathing until the end of time, you will continue to breathe. So it's something that you can always depend on. Um, but other than that, I think SASH has been a big part of my time, finishing classes. And then also I've just created a routine. I've realized like the first two weeks of this whole shelter in place, I was miserable, like absolutely miserable. And I just realized I was trying to do so much that wasn't in my normal routine. Like my typical routines is I wake up, I walk my dog for like an hour, come back, make breakfast. I do like a mindful uh, meal. It's so there's no technology, no TV, no music, nothing. Because there's actually like studies that talk about like you eat more if there's fast-paced music, um, if there's poor lighting, you eat more like blah, blah, blah. 
And so that's one thing that just being mindful and like you chew it as many times as you possibly can until you actually can swallow it without like forcing it down your throat. Um, so yeah, doing that and then just journaling, like being grateful for what I do have and like just coming to terms with this situation and understanding like there's so much positive actually coming from this. The list goes on and on. I know it's extremely, I can't say positive in a global pandemic, but like there's things that you can look at and find a silver lining in this dark cloud. Um, and then just moving my body any way I possibly can. I've been currently trying to do 20,000 steps a day. <laughs> it's been a fun. And then just anything that kind of like, helps you find who you are like maybe that is like creating it finding a new hobby like a craft or crocheting or something like that I know Sam's also really good at this whole mindfulness um self-care stuff so I'll let her tell you how she's she's managing yeah so I think yoga is a really I think it's a great outlet I've used yoga since I've gotten to um school Emma McLean actually on my team introduced it to me and I was like little iffy about it and then I mean it's kind of been a it's been an outlet for the past four years that I've had so um there's actually a yoga teacher who's same thing was said doing some stuff online that I've just had in the past and you know on you know trying to help them out too I mean they're not you know they're making nothing so you know donations and stuff like that um we actually did some home renovations at home because we were stuck <laughs> in the house so my room in the background is um painted nice. so it was pink and purple before I got home and now it's gray and white so big improvements um and I think yeah I think Sid said like super mindfulness I've been journaling um picked up a new hobby I've been rollerblading Ooh. Um, it's in the house so I was like you know what why don't it's just, it's time to try something new. And I think that's the whole thing with, you kind of have to step out of your comfort zone in your bubble. Um, I, I think sometimes some of us get so kind of stuck in our, our normal. And, you know, I even said that I caught myself the first two weeks on social media, almost 20% more than what I was, you know, and that, that's a big increase compared to, you know, our, you know, our generation, we're on our phones 24 seven. So I think it's to take that time away um, I've just noticed to do different things, pick up a bike and go bike riding, like go rollerblading, um, get outside and yoga is great. Journaling has been great. Um, I'm big into essential oils. So actually doing some research, just seeing what, what, you know, where do I put this? What's really helping me, you know, using that stuff. Um, just doing some more research on integrative medicine. Cause I think there's a ton of things out there that I'll say it here are really scared to just admit that it's going on or that's what it could be. Um, so I've taken some time to just research a lot of new things. Um, there are some new things coming in our world that it's, it's scary, you know, and I've talked about it multiple people, multiple times. Sometimes it's scary to look at reality. And I think sometimes people need to look at this, like Sid said, this is a, this can be a positive thing for a lot of people. You have the time on your hands, like do a reality check. Like, what were you doing? Was that really what you wanted to do? Or were you mimicking someone or mimicking something you saw on social media? So it's, it's really just trying to get back to you and finding who you really are. Um, so I see this, like Sid said, it's hard to say something's really positive while we're stuck in our house for a couple of months. But I think that there is, there's a reality that's saying, Hey, time for us to wake up. Like, look what's going yeah. on in the world and kind of taking a second to maybe slow down. Like, we would never have done half the things we've done. Number one, as a family, you know, I'm home now. I would be at school finishing, you know, finishing my last year. So I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of pros to this. If you view it in a positive way, yes, there's a very unfortunate thing going on in our world, but 
there's a lot of positive things that can come out of this. So I think take it day by day. We've always been taught with our team. Um, it's keep pounding and there's always three great things. And Kaylee Hills, her dad passed away from pancreatic cancer and he used that every single day and fought for 13 months. They told him, Hey, you've got, you know, three weeks to live. And we've used it every day. And I, I write that down in my journal wow. every day. And it's true. And in a pandemic, you can still come up with three great things to, you know, that are, that happen during your day. So I think just be mindful of what you're doing and, you know, maybe set down the phone for a little bit. You know, you don't always have to be on it. It's not the best thing in the world. So just get out and play. I always said that, like, be a little kid. So I think it's just exercising your brain to, to its fullest ability. I love that. Yeah, I need to work on getting off of social media more. That's my next goal. And then also I wanted to touch on like we are all seniors and it's kind of, you know, as much as you look at the negatives, we don't get graduation. We didn't get to say goodbye to our friends. You know, no other senior has been able to graduate and finish school and have this time to sit and say, okay, I have a few months to figure out how I want to start my life, where I want to start my life who, what type of people I want to meet. Like, that's what I've been realizing a lot lately. I know we had to postpone this podcast a little bit because I lost a job that was set up for me. And I know people are losing internships, like losing opportunities. But I think a positive way to look about, at it is, you know, is that a job that I actually really wanted? What do I actually want to do? You know, do I want to step out and learn something new that I didn't in college that I wish I would have? So that's kind of what I've been going through. And I think it's, I think it's a huge positive if you look, if you choose to look at it that way. Um, okay, finishing up, we just had a few questions coming off Instagram. Um, I'm going to let you guys both answer this. What will you miss most about the University of Michigan? <laughs> now time to get all sad. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think I definitely will miss the community aspect whether it's your community of Ann Arbor, your community of the university, the community in athletics, my team. Uh, I've been very thankful to have 20 plus teammates throughout my four years here. And they're people that like, inspired me. They're people that pushed me to get better and made me and supported me and picked me up. And then just, just, athletics even bigger picture like no getting to know sam getting to know people from other teams going to those their sporting events supporting them as they succeed and reach amazing reach their goals um i think that's something that like i'll always miss like they always talk about like yeah these four years you're playing for something bigger than yourself and after this like you're you're not going to be playing for the block M. You're going to be chasing a salary. You're going to be chasing a promotion. You're going to be chasing a relationship goal or something like that. And I think these four years, you're playing for something bigger than yourself. And that's definitely a very humbling, a humbling um, scenario. Yeah. Um, I'd have to agree with Sid. I think the community, and like she said, it might just be athletics or it can be people that you've met outside of uh, athletics. I mean, I'm from Michigan, so I have definitely friends outside of um, athletics, but I think that sometimes it gets really difficult when, you know, our schedules don't align or something. So it's really nice when you do have people who maybe like Sid and I, we never played same season, but it's really cool to be like, hey, I'm going to come to your game tonight or like seeing her in the stands and you come out and you're like, wait, what? Like you oh. might not have seen them before it starts. And then you're like, wait, they're like here, blah, blah, blah. Let me go talk to them. So I think that's a really big thing. And I think Sid even said it too. Like, 
I think of tradition because my sister goes to state, so um, we're clearly a house divided, but I'd have to say that the tradition and pride that comes with wearing a Block M and being able to travel, um, like the countless amount of times we've been to the airport and someone just yells like, go blue to you. Like I've seen other kids go to other schools and I just, I feel like the alumni behind us is just, it's so powerful. Like it's amazing. We went to nationals um, last year and the alumni put a 26 minute video for us together and just wanted to say thank you guys. Like you guys have represented Michigan so well and like had all of us crying because you had first off no idea they were doing that. But like Sid said, it's the community and alum that are supporting Michigan. Like it just, it, it's, it really impresses me. And I think that it's kind of cool that I'm like, Oh, I'll be an alum now. You know, it kind of came quicker than we really expected, but it's cool to see, you know, the babies of the teams that are freshmen sophomores and juniors who still have another season to go to be like, yeah, we broke a program record. Go break it again. Like, you want them to do better. Like, you know, you kind of left your mark and you want them to be able to build off that. You know, you want them to go break it and get this better score. You know what I mean? So I think that you have your people who went through the four years with you and I forever love my class. Um, If it wasn't for the five of us and some other people that I've met on teams, I realistically don't know where I'd be, you know, and I really mean that they've shaped, you know, me into the person I am today. So I think it's community. I think community and the pride of wearing the Block M every day, it's, it's truly an honor. That's awesome. Yeah, and I can say just from working on the other side of sports and being at your guys' events and covering you for the Big Ten Network, it's been so fun to watch you guys and your team throughout these past four years. Um, and Sam, here's another Instagram question for you. What has it been like having Bev Kowalki as your coach? Yeah. Um, I mean, first off, she's – I call her a legend. Um, <laughs> she is. She is. She really is. And I don't think she gets, I say this all the time, I don't think she gets as much credit as she deserves. Um, I mean, the woman has won over 24 Big Ten championships. I There's think it's the most in the Big Ten. The most in the Big Ten and in any sport. Yeah. She came here. This was her first job ever. I love when she tells that story because there's not very many people who can say they're a head coach, their first job, and they've stuck at Michigan their whole time. So um, it's been it's been incredible. Um, being a part of the team was great. It was I was part of the team for two years, and then um, just even through all this, like through telling her what I'd gone through and the support she's given me, and even with Sash, she even just like she tweeted out the other day about it and out of anyone who tweeted about it, I was, you know, I'm so grateful, but to know that a legend and my head coach could do that. And she just, you know, tweeted about it and just supporting us always and being the mom away from home. You know, I mean, I really say that all the time that you could call her at any point in time and she'd be there. And she has had definitely with some of her family stuff and Jim Plocky, like he has gone through so much and she, no matter what was in that gym day in and day out and was like, guys, I'm here. Like, don't worry about it. And we were like, no, Bev, like you need to be there. And she's like, no. So just the, just the support that she gave us and the passion she has to be a Michigan coach is one thing, but she's been there so long that there's not really a coach I see who bleeds Michigan more. Um, Yeah. So it's really, it's truly been an honor. And I thank her all the time because I wasn't a kid who was a scholarship athlete. I was a kid who committed my senior year and it was kind of like, Hey Sam, you get into school. Like we've got a position for you. So I think just knowing that she always had my back and 
you know, always wanted me to succeed, even though I wasn't the kid who was, you know, the star of the show. So I think that it's been great. And she's, she's always been there. If it's, I need a good laugh, if I need a shoulder to cry on, she's always been there. And I have to say, even just Beth, but I praise, I worked with Scott Sherman a lot um, on bars because that's why, that's where I coached during practice. And the man and even Bev, they're so wise and they know so much and they've experienced so much that, that I can take into the next whatever years that I have with working or is it, maybe I do go on a coach, you know, I don't really know exactly what it is, but there was a reason that I stuck around for those two years and they taught me so much. Um, so I'm really forever grateful to have her and she's just always a resource to have. Like you'll never lose touch with her. I feel like I can always reach out to her whenever and be like, Hey Bev, like I need some mom advice or Hey, I need, I need this advice. Can you help me with this person? So she's always been a great just outlet to have in a resource in your corner. So, um, she'll, she'll be seeing us for sure though in the next couple of years. We won't, we won't be leaving her yet, our class. So that's awesome. Yeah. I, I think she's a not even just a big 10 legend, but like a women's gymnastics yeah. legend, a, a, a coach in general legend. She's broken so many records and yeah. Well, that's, she's what that's what we say. Like, I just, I wish I could sit there and say like, she's won how many coaches regionals of the year and all this stuff. And I'm like, does anyone see that this woman, yeah. like, if you looked at her list of what she's accomplished, I don't know if there's very many coaches in their time, even moving forward are going to even be able to say, I've accomplished this, you know, and I think she, she's the one who's always sitting there, guys, we can win a national championship. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, I look at last year and this year, it was building years, we were hitting our stride. And I think that, unfortunately, with all the stuff going on, um, season did end early, but she was so hard, like, when she, I see her cry, you cry, you know what Aww. I mean? So, like, it was, it was really hard. And when she had to break the news to us, it was, it was one of the hardest things. And, just hugging her and she was like guys we were gonna do it and I think she just she has so much passion for gymnastics it's so incredible to see and you learn so much from her so yeah she's gonna keep going she's gonna break oh, yeah. even more she's records gonna I know. <laughs> I have faith in her. she's gonna win a national championship I can't wait um Sid this one is for you um I know you got you guys have a ton of young fans and I know my little cousin this was actually from her she's an aspiring volleyball player um, so for younger volleyball players, what do you think are the most important skills to master? <laughs> oh, so <laughs> that's a hard one because I, I think just being well-rounded in everything, just being a volleyball player, having a high IQ definitely is important. But like one thing I can't tell you, oh, keep your elbow up or, oh, work on this approach. I think the biggest thing that like has helped me throughout my career are, um, is my attitude, my energy, and just being a good teammate. Those three things. If you can control those three things, if you can have an amazing attitude every day, every practice, and that's not to say you have bad practices. That's one thing with mental health. Um, you have to be honest completely. I remember texting, and this is an extremely rare case, I think, in athletics, but I had such an amazing relationship with my coaches that I was able to say, like, hey, like, today has been very difficult, like just keeping my head up, like just trying to fight the anxieties and the depression that I've faced. So if I seem out of it in practice, like I, it's not anything, like I'm not trying to be disrespectful or anything. And the days I was so honest and like could have that support from my coaches were honestly probably the best practices I ever had because I felt supported and comfortable and able to, um, 
able to be who I am, I was able to just practice and just do the best I could possibly can. That's another tangent. I apologize. But um, say your attitude, just always being, being willing to learn the energy you give, um, always working hard, never giving up for anything. Because in the long run, like you may think, oh, that ball's so far away. Like, I don't want to go get it. But if you just like kind of go and like be like, wow, yeah, I got this and like have no doubt in your mind, you will surprise yourself. And then just being a good teammate, I think that's one thing that, like, we think as, like, you're the best, you're the alpha, um, you have to kind of be assertive, you have to be this dominant type. I think if you're supportive of those around you, it's only going to make you better. Awesome. I love that. I think that's really important for younger athletes to focus on, because I grew up playing sports at a young, like, competitive sports at a young age, and you see the kids who, you know, are focused on being the best and they're not, you know, the best teammates and stuff, but that really is the stuff uh, that's going to take you farther. And I know for you, probably on volleyball, you have husband and wife Rosen's coaching you. So I can't even imagine like that, that must be a real family dynamic there. Oh, for sure. Definitely. It's, it's amazing. We are definitely a giant family and having husband and wife as your coaches you always have somewhere to go like say Thanksgiving or Christmas you aren't able to head home you can always head to their place and it's just as family-ish as if you were maybe even better sometimes <laughs> than if you were to be in your own home um yeah I definitely have been privileged and thankful to be a part of their family and be a part of the program I don't think many people had the experience I had and just to no matter what I was facing they're always there by my side that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad you guys have had great experiences with your coaches and athletics. Um, is there anything else that you guys want to say? I'm kind of finished up on my end. I don't know. I guess just saying that we talk about mental health, just letting everyone know that we're all in this together. Um, no one is alone. And if it's related to anything, um, even with Sash, every story is different, but it's your time to tell your story on your time. Um, every healing journey is different. Um, it can take someone months or it can take people years or it can take a day. You know, it just depends. So I think it's just making sure that if it works for someone else doesn't mean it's going to work for you and it's vice versa in that sense too. So I guess just during this time, stay positive, stay mindful and just try to enjoy it as much as you can. Yeah, I think back on like the mental health thing, like the biggest issue we have with mental health and that stigma is that you can't see it. And I remember I was in the hospital after a uh, extremely, <laughs> extremely terrible event. And my coach came to see me and he was just like, this is no different than if you rolled your ankle and needed to go get an x-ray. This is no different than if you needed a surgery on your knee or your shoulder and you're in the hospital like I was in a psychiatric ward and I was there for diagnosis of major depressive disorder and severe anxiety and I to hear those words come from him was so relieving one so that I didn't have to like be ashamed and that's one thing that holds people back from healing is that shame and that guilt and that loneliness that isolation because you think oh this is just me and this is like so embarrassing or this literally like in an athletics we talk about all the time like there's that macho there's that mentality of oh just rub some dirt on it oh just play through it oh and that may 
which I don't understand how that can help in any situation, whether it's physical or mental. But I think the biggest thing is just understand that like, it's okay to be vulnerable. And it's, I think you said it, it's okay to not be okay. Like we don't have to be a hundred percent all the time. Our bodies, our minds and our spirits aren't built to do that. We are like an ebb and flow or highs and lows. So I think that's the biggest thing with athletics is just knowing that like you're strong if you, if you're honest and you're strong if you show like just being human and like having faults and errors and mistakes. That's awesome. And I just want to thank you guys for just coming on and being again, so vulnerable and sharing your stories. I can't say it enough, but I think it's just so brave and amazing. And I know people are going to listen to this podcast and they're, they're going to get a sense of relief. Like I'm not alone. And that's something I want to say to everybody. You're not alone. I know that my DMs, I'm sure you guys, you guys can agree. If anyone needs to talk, um, we're always here to talk. Uh, there are resources out there. I can help to the best ability to get you there. Um, I'm super happy that we kind of created this safe space just for the week to kind of for me step away from talking about sports <laughs> and um this is something that i've wanted to do for a long time and i think it's really important so thank you guys so so much for coming on yeah yes. thanks so much for having us thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.